guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. All right, we're going we're gonna to take a look at the big question today. Um, and it wasn't any of those things that I had in my mind. My dad's a pastor, and we used to call that a preacher's answer. Oh, you've had those questions before? The preacher's question, that he's looking for something specific and nobody knows what it is. Well, this one's pretty simple. Because some of you are graduating this year, right? How many graduates do we have this year? One, two, three, four. Oh, my goodness, we got a lot. All right, <laughs> we don't want to talk about that? Okay, how many are graduating next year? Okay, the other half. <laughs> A lot of people graduating this year or next year. And the big question that everybody has at that point is, what am I going to do next? Okay? Uh, I like to look at it this way, because this is a question that everybody has is, what is, especially if you're a Christian, what is God's will for my life? What is it that God wants me to do? And that is a question that will plague each of you at some point in your life. I mean, you may even be as old as Dave Kinney and go, <laughs> what is God's will for my life? Okay? It's a question that we have. And you know what? Even as you get older, sometimes you go, what is God's will for my life? And you're 50 years old. They call that a midlife crisis. You know, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> you're nowhere near midlife, Dave. Yeah, plenty of time for that. But you know what? Finding God's will doesn't guarantee anything except that you are in the center of his will. It's not going to guarantee you money. It's not going to guarantee you success. It's not going to guarantee you prosperity. And it doesn't mean, even if you find God's will for your life, that your life will be trouble-free. So if you are thinking that finding God's will for your life means any of those things, you're not going to be happy uh, in that, because that's not what it means. There's, there's people that will, that will do and say that if you find God's will, you'll have money, you'll have this, you'll have that. And that's not true. That's not what the scripture says. In fact, our relationship with God is not the subtraction of all problems, but the addition of God's presence in the midst of those problems. I'm going to say it again. Our relationship with Christ is not the subtraction of all problems, but the addition of of God's presence in every problem. When we were singing that one song tonight, and it was talking about, just, just, just before we came to this, the, the walking through the valley, and, and the different things, I know it said in, in that one part, it said that I know that I am not in control. And this is where God comes to us, in the midst of those troubles. Now, I know that there are many of you who would like, when you're saying, okay, God, what's your will for my life to see it written in the sky? Okay? Or maybe you'd rather God send you an email with all the directions right in it. This is it. Boom, 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 right there. 
But how many of you actually read the directions? I, I just recently got, you read all the directions? Oh my goodness, somebody does. I recently got uh, a, a, a new TV thing. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but it came with a remote control that you could talk to, which was kind of cool. And the installer took the directions and he stuck them in his jeans pocket. And I said, what are you, what are you doing with them? And he said, oh, you don't need them. It's self-explanatory. I said, I want the directions. I am a direction reader, but most of us don't read the directions. Uh, maybe you would rather God tweet it to you. You like the 140 characters or less. You want God to tweet you the directions. Uh, guess what? He did do it. And he did it in 99 characters. Are you ready? Matthew 6.33 says this. 99 characters. It says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 99 characters. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Two things right there. And all these things will be added to you. My version says, and he'll take care of the rest. All right, that's my interpretation of it anyway. But he will take care of the rest. And you know what? Now you can do 240 or 280 characters on Twitter. Okay, and God actually tweeted the rest in the second verse. He says, therefore, in verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow. How many of you are warriors? Ooh, okay, I'm glad you're willing to confess that. It's not easy sometimes when you've got stuff coming at you all the time. But it says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. The good news is, tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's going to have more trouble for you. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Now, he did all of that in 227 characters, so still under the 280. We're good. Yeah. This is the call of Jesus to his followers to seek first the kingdom of God. Now, this is in contrast to all of us who are filled with anxiety, who wonder what's going to be happening tomorrow. How much do I need? What test am I going to face tomorrow? What, what problem am I going to have tomorrow? Do you know that they did a study and that like 95% of the things that we worry about never happen? 95%? That's a lot of stuff that never happens. And yet, it seems to be for us who worry all we think about. Now, Jesus was living in a society that was quite a bit different than the society that we live in today. Uh, we like security. We buy life insurance, we buy car insurance, we buy house insurance, we go to school so that we can learn, so we can get a good job, so we can provide for our family. We worry about the scholarship that we're going to get. We worry about the school that we're going to get into. And they didn't have any of those things to worry about. You know what they had to worry about? Am I going to have a roof over my head tonight? Will I have food when I go home tonight? That's the things that they worried about every day. But you know what? We get spoiled here in the West because there are people in other places that still worry about those things. In fact, here in this country, we still have people who worry about those things. I don't know if you know... Um, 
but I am on the radio in the morning and my co-host uh, Doug Hamilton works for Keystone Mission and he deals with guys and girls every day that have no roof over their head in fact right now they are doing a kind of a drive for tents so that these people who live in the streets the homeless have a place to get out of the rain that kind of puts our problems in perspective doesn't it when we think about the fact that there are people that don't have even a roof over their heads but whatever kind of environment we find ourselves in wherever we are stable or unstable secure or insecure the word of God to each of us is still the same whether we're here in the West whether we're in the East whether we're in South Africa no matter where we are the word of God remains the same and we need to focus on what the word of God says because we his people are to have the spiritual and the eternal as our primary focus not the stuff that we think about every day not the things that that are important to us yes and matter to us yes but they are not to be our primary focus we are supposed to seek first the kingdom of God so the question is what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God any thoughts What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Nobody wants to venture a guess. You're all afraid of that preacher's answer. It's okay. It means that we put Christ first and we put the things of the spirit first in our lives. Okay, so what does that mean? Every day we are faced with choices. We are faced with opportunities. And we need to put our time and energy into the things that will have a lasting spiritual value. Now, we still have to think about the things that are temporary because I don't know about you, but I ate lunch today. And if I didn't work, I wouldn't be eating lunch. Uh, you had a test today. If you didn't study last night, you flunked the test. You have college to think about next year and if you don't make the plan for college you won't have the money to go so those things do matter but there are only so many hours in a day the question is how many of those hours do we spend on spiritual things or maybe the question is did we spend any hour on spiritual things did we spend a half hour on spiritual things. Ten minutes? Five? Thirty seconds? Are we spending time and energy to further the cause of Christ at all in our lives? If we are seeking first the kingdom of God, so that's the first question. Now, one of the things about knowing what God's will is for your life is that some people uh, are like my wife and others are like me. <laughs> Careful, yes, that's right. Uh, my wife likes to bake. I like to cook. My wife likes to follow a recipe. I like to be adventuresome in my cooking. Now, here's the challenge, though. If you are baking 
you have to follow the recipe. I see you, you bake, okay? Uh, I can see you're nodding your head, yes. Uh, if you have to follow the recipe, if you don't put exactly the right ingredients in, it's like a science experiment, which is why I didn't like it, because I don't like science. Uh, but if it's like a science experiment, if you don't put the right ingredients in a cake, what happens? What? It what? It deflates, that's exactly right. You wind up with a flat cake and it's very dense and no one wants to eat it. My wife's never come up with one of them. Hers are always good. Yeah, but <laughs> she likes to follow that recipe word for word. And it drives me crazy because I am an adventuresome sort. I start with chicken and I don't know, some tarragon and maybe a little of this and a little of that. And oh, I don't have that. And the recipe calls for it. That's okay. This is pretty close and I'll put that in. Oh, that's not enough. And I taste it here and there. So we, we approach things very differently, but our life is not a recipe. We don't necessarily have to follow everything all the way down the line. And that's the beauty of it, is that God is very creative. If you don't think God is creative, look at the person's face next to you. <laughs> My dad used to say, look at their ear. Aren't they weird? Everybody's got different ears, you know? But God is very creative. And he has created us to be creative as well. And so he doesn't have a recipe for each person where you go, you need to do this, 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 and this, and then your life will be okay. He doesn't give it to us that way. He gives us general guidelines and he gives us some very specific guidelines. And the beauty of it is that if we follow those guidelines, we're in his will. And so, whether we go to Denny's for breakfast or McDonald's for breakfast isn't as important to God as the fact that we are doing the things that he's outlined in his word. What matters most. Let's be honest. Too many Christians are putting way too much time and energy towards things that in the end will not matter a hill of beans. It won't matter at all. How many of you are 17 or 18 years old? Okay, able to relate to this. When I was 18 years old, I had a plan. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew where I was going to school. I knew what I was majoring in. I knew all of these things. And then something interrupted my plans. At 18 years old, I was diagnosed with a blood disorder called severe aplastic anemia. And I was given three to four months to live. I'll tell you what, that'll shake up your plans. I was planning on, I hated school, I was planning on graduating in three years. That was my goal. I was doing summer school, I was doing the whole, I, before I went my freshman year, I'd already done a couple of classes through the summer. I was really, you know, on the fast track to be done with school. I was going to go into TV news, that was my goal. And I was, I was working towards that until that diagnosis. And then all of a sudden I became bubble boy. 
I was in reverse isolation. I was in the plastic tent, you know, because they were concerned that I would catch something from somebody else and, and wind up not being able to fight it. Well, God worked in my life, and I'm not going to go through the story because that is a whole thing all by itself uh, of how I'm still here today, even though I was given four months to live. My point is that our plans sometimes get interrupted. And again, it's not as important as what our plans were as to how we react to the interruption. And the scripture says a lot about God's plans for individuals. He says about it for nations. He says about it for our history. And it's in our best interest to seek after, as we said in Matthew 6, his will. But what does that mean? And how can we make the choices that we make with confidence? There's a couple of scriptures that I want to look at. 16, uh, Proverbs 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. It's a relationship that's based on trusting in, obeying, and following Christ in every circumstance. We may care the most about some goal, like I did. I wanted it to be done in three years. God desires that we walk with him daily through the process. We have the goal. God's more focused on the process. He's focused on what it is that we're doing as we're in the middle of the waiting. We sing that song, he's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. My verse, my life verse at 18 years old, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Sometimes the waiting's hard. But he's in the waiting. He's in the process. And then the second verse is from Proverbs 16, 9. You want to read a good passage of scripture. Read Proverbs chapter 16. There's a lot to say in there about our future, about what God has planned for us. Proverbs chapter 16. It says this in verse 9. A heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. I was planning three years out. I was planning five years out. I was planning 10 years out. God was planning my next step. The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So, as we look at the big question, what is it that God wants for us? As we break out into our small groups, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the big question and then specifically what it is that God wants for us. As Christians, there's some things that are laid out for us. Uh, to, God, well, first of all, God has one major desire for every person on this earth. Does anybody know what it is? One major desire for every person on this earth. It says in scripture that he desires all of us to come to repentance. That is the very first thing that God's will is for every person on this earth, that all would come to repentance. And it's our responsibility as believers to show them the way. But his first is for all to come to repentance. And then as Christians, there are things that we are called to do. 
in 1 Timothy 4.13, it says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, which we've done tonight, to exhortation, which I hope I've done tonight to you, to teaching, which is what we're doing tonight. Okay, this is part of what we're supposed to devote ourselves to. There's one of the things that's part of God's will for our lives. He's asked us to pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And guess what? He spells it out. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And when you break out into small groups, there's some scriptures that uh, are on the, the paper that your leaders have. And there's about six scriptures in there that specifically say, this is God's will for you. And yet, we say, hmm, what is God's will for my life? We, we kind of want God to lay out the plan step by step by step. But I have a feeling that in our heart of hearts, that's not really what we want. Because if we really wanted that, we would have no problem with everything our parents tell us to do. We would go, if, if mom said, go make your bed, you'd go, oh, yes, mom. If, if dad said, go cut the grass, oh, yes, dad. Because he'd be spelling out exactly what he wants us to do. Instead, if mom said, take care of the house, or dad said, take care of the yard, and left it generally up to us as to what it was, we probably feel better about that, because anything that he didn't spell out, we could say, well, you didn't tell me to do that. You didn't tell me to do that. And God doesn't spell out those things for us. He gives us many options, except for the things that really matter. And it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So no matter what it is that you are doing throughout your life, no matter what it is that you're working towards in your schooling, no matter where it is that you go and work, if you're doing it to the glory of God and you're doing it according to his word, you're doing it in God's will. So when the big question comes to you and you go, what is it that God wants me to do? Remember Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God, number one. And his righteousness, number two. And everything else will take care of itself. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.